something else than just playing rocks and dirt. This mountain is like a giant icebox. A storing what? We are standing on the biggest burial mound in the world. I know how to do it. Santa Claus. Selitä sille, että meillä on täällä pukki myytävänä. Santa is going to find out who is naughty or nice. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Movie Umpers. I am Bob Sham. I am Angela. See how the camera, we got new camera style over here. Wouldn't Straight get on. Cameras, you look, your positioning looks way better. Sure. I still kind of look angled, but I kind of have to. Yeah. I guess I don't have to. I can just shift. You know, we're still working on some things. But anyway, <laughs> happy holidays. Merry if, Christmas. If you would look at your camera and not at the computer, you would be just dead on. There. Is that better? <laughs> I can't not look at the computer. I know. It's all right. But happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all that shit. Kwanzaa. I think Hanukkah starts, well, at the time of this recording. Yeah. This yeah. week. Maybe we'll get to a Hanukkah movie next year. I don't know. But Eight Crazy Nights. That's the only one I can come up with. We did a documentary for mm-hmm. Hanukkah during Documenteers Days. I kind of look back on Documenteers. I think we're a little bit more refined nowadays. Mm-hmm. Documenteers being our first podcast. And it's a little like, I'm I'm leaving it up, but it's a little how anyone would do if you go forward. You're more critical of sure. looking back. But we were kind to that Hanukkah documentary. And that guy who made it sent me a, a specific link. It's like a PBS documentary. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't available, and I just was like, hey, can I get a link? It was very nice. It was very nice. So I think that caused us to be pretty nice to the documentary. Are you trying to drink that coffee? I just want to hold it. <laughs> you just keep picking it up and putting it back down. But, you know, we're going for a little bit more offbeat Christmas movies. Yeah. And we watched this for the first time, what, last year? No, it was a couple year, years yeah, ago. Yeah. And it was just kind of refreshing at the time, the mm-hmm. feeling of it. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's still strong. That's probably the biggest strength of the movie is that it does, it is a Christmas movie while feeling different than most other ones. I will say, and I know this stands for literally anything, but if you want to watch this movie, you need to watch it before you hear us talk about it. Because I feel like it's a very different movie if you know what the hell is going on. Well, it literally becomes a completely different movie in the second half of this movie. It does. It does. I remember when we first watched it, we were like, oh, that was cute. That was fun. And then sitting down the second time, I was kind of noticing a lot more flaws that I might have been more forgiving of the first time we watched it. Mm. And the fact that it completely changes tone. It has this tone. It's It definitely seems very inspired by, like... Your 80s and 90s adventure young movies. Yeah, like the your kids Yuri's are in charge. Hair. There's a little... Like, he doesn't seem in charge at first, the kids. That's true. But then by the end, he's, like, calling the shots like he's... The first half is actually much more sweet and endearing and mysterious. A little bit scary at times. And not, like, crazy scary, but you're like, what's going to happen? And by then the it end, changes to, like, this... Little kid action movie. With, like, PlayStation 2 uh, CGI. Yeah, but I will say that I think the main kid in this is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually he, think everyone in this is great. We're talking about rare exports from 2010. It's a Finnish movie, but like most European movies, it's like an international coalition to get it produced yeah. and made. Yeah. It's directed by, um, sorry if I mispronounce these names, uh, Jomari Helander. Written by him and starring Oni Tamila, Jorma Tamila. That's right. The, our two leads, the father and son, are actually father and son in real Really? Life. Yes. Uh, he per, must look like his mama. Per Christian <laughs> Ellefson, Toby Corpela. It is a fun movie overall. but That's actually really sweet mm-hmm. to know that they really are father and son because they did have... Jorma's a pretty big actor in that part of the world. The dad? Yeah. Yeah. They had a really good connection, obviously. I mean, they are actually father and son, but... Apparently, Jill Maria Helander directed the this movie, Sisu, hmm. which came out last year, which seems to be a very, like, this old man who's... It's like an action movie about this old man, and I kind of threw it around as something we might watch, but we never got to it, but he directed that movie. Still could someday. And, well, we start with this movie off with um, basically an... An 80s villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who's... With a lot of makeup on. Yeah, a lot of makeup. And he's and he's British and he holds a cane with a long coat. And listen, not like he's trying to wear makeup. Like, they put a lot of, like, stage makeup it on It doesn't him. look like... Yeah, it doesn't look like... You know, a lot of your movie makeup should look like... like Actual skin and blush. Like it natural. should not look like you're wearing makeup. It's yeah. supposed to be disguising, being good for the light or whatever, mm-hmm. but... This movie has its flaws, but they're digging for something. In this restricted area. And these kids have climbed this mountain and are, like, looking at it. Like, our our lead, Patari, that's his uh-huh. name. Yes, Patari. Patari. And he and his little friend just are watching them just talk about what's buried there. And apparently this mountain isn't just a natural mountain. These people... Built it. Built it around something that froze in some water. And so this man is obsessed with finding what is at the bottom. And at one point, can we just talk about the getting to the bottom of it? And the man, the man like tells people like, don't curse, wash behind your ears. Well, this is what I'm saying. Once they get to the sawdust, 
the man's like, there are 65 feet of sawdust. What in the hell? And he's like, oh, we're almost there. Sawdust was used to encase ice. Back in the day. And they're like, they've got this weird like x-ray picture of the mountain where they can tell there's like a thing down there that they're trying to get to that's encased in ice. Once they get to the sawdust and the man knows they're close, he hands them all these little cards that are like, these are the new rules. And yeah, it's like, don't cuss. Don't lie. They're the Santa rules. Yeah. Essentially, this is... Old world Santa in this mountain. And this man has been searching for Santa forever. And we find out through him telling this story. And then Patari gets like obsessed with this and is like, I need to figure out what's going on. He he understands what the man says enough to say, this is Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Santa Claus is down there. So he starts researching Santa Claus and finds out that Santa Claus is a monster who Beats children it's, and boils them. It's basically Krampus. It's, it's Krampus. Like, every part of the world has their own variation of it. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it's Krampus is kind of the proto. Like, it's based upon this old saint from, like, where was he from? Turkey or something? Or what is now Turkey? I don't know. And um, St. Nicholas, right? Yeah. I forget where exactly it was from. And then combined with the Krampus myth, which is yeah. all around Eastern Europe and shit. Which is the, you're going to get coal and like switches if you're the bad. Because you're actually, the idea is that you're actually going to like, Santa's going to beat you. And we see images of Krampus like boiling kids in a Yeah, like and a the bug. whole thing about Krampus that has always been and still is. Like I saw someone have Krampus photos this year. Whatever, grow up. Um, but they had. <laughs> hey, fuck you and your Krampus photos. Um, horns. Grow up. Horns. <laughs> I mean, adults going to sit on Krampus's lap oh, really? at Christmas. Yeah, you don't need to be sitting on laps. Just this go look. Well, at Well, they some were like lights. next to him, but still, it's like, why you got to go take some pictures of the grow up? We I don't, don't know. <laughs> Just like- we don't mean to come off like cranks, honestly. <laughs> we're we 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 keep all our emotions into cooking and Thanksgiving, and then after that, we're just kind of coasting until we get to give presents to children, and that's fun. Yeah, we might go do some drive-through light scenes or we something. We do love that. I like looking at lights. We don't mind doing a few things. I like it if it snows. I, I just get a little melancholy with Christmas. I used to dislike it, but and now I'm trying to like cope with it better. But it still just kind of feels like a very melancholy time to me. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, so we find out that the people of this area centuries ago encapsulated Krampus or Santa Claus in ice and buried him at the bottom of this mountain, packed all the sawdust around to keep him frozen, and then built a mountain on top of him. And this man with all the makeup has been searching for him his entire life. So he's paid all these people to dig to find it. And then they do. And they tell him, you got to come. We found it. We found ice. Then they all get killed. The kid and his friend, they cut a hole in this fence. That's how they got in there. And they come back. And they live out in, like, the bumfuck Finland here. Like, they say it's, like, near the Russian border. And they he has this house. His dad, I think it's their job to to rock, corral up reindeer. Reindeer's a big food. His dad's a butcher. It, reindeer's a big food source in mm-hmm. Finland. So they bring up the reindeer into this little thing and corral them in there and they're they were talking about quotes of prices and like 
they should make about $85,000 for a full reindeer haul and all the meat. But when it's time for the reindeer to come, only two reindeer come. And they're like small. They're blaming it on wolves. I think it's wolves that are doing it. And the wolf, and that the stuff that's been happening on the mountain is dr- moving the wolves around. And apparently that has actually been happening. Because even at the very beginning, the dad is telling Pietro, he's like, I can't say his name right. Pietari. Pietari. <laughs> My God. Pietari. 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 He tells him, like, you cannot be outside alone. The wolves are going to get you. And he set, like, a wolf trap with this big hogshead yeah. over this um, this hole, which is apparently illegal to do. But he set it to try to protect Spikes, them. Spiked trap covered Yeah, up. and it, they, it's illegal because a person could fall into it. It's dangerous. But he set this kind of trap. And it's so funny because obviously they're so used to the super-duper cold. But one time when Pitare comes out to find his dad, he's, like, in his underwear yeah. and coat. Yeah. And he's like trying to get his dad to talk to him. And his dad's like, come in, but close your eyes. I'm working. And so he's like talking to his dad with his eyes closed. And his dad's just like ripping the guts out of a big hog. Well, they come across like a herd of reindeer that are completely decimated. Like something has been eating them. They think it's the wolves. And Patari like moves some carcass out of the way. And they think, and they see the hole in the fence. And they're mad. The father's mad about it. Patari. He's the one that made the hole. He wants to tell, but his friend is like, I will kill you. Father thinks the hole has led the wolves through there. Um, so Patari moves a piece of carcass and he sees a footprint, like a humanoid footprint. He doesn't say anything. But he doesn't say anything until something does fall into that trap and it's a man mm-hmm. and he's been stabbed up in his gut. It's pretty bloody. And they bring him into where they cut up the carcasses, butcher the reindeer carcasses, and they're just kind of looking at him. They think he's dead. They think he's dead. And then when Patari comes to see what's going on, his father's trying to keep him from seeing it. The old man, it's an old man with a beard. Smells him. He smells him and you can see his nose. He's also a skinny, scrawny man. Yeah. Like he looks like he's not eaten in a very long time. And it's kind of a cool, it's a cool misdirect here actually Mm -hmm. because, I mean, as a viewer, we're like, okay, this is Santa. Yeah. And, um, this is what they found. This is this is it. And this Santa is like kind of hardcore. He's very responsive to gingerbread. They eat a lot of gingerbread in this movie. And it's like uh, all they eat in this movie. And leading up to the to the halfway point in this movie, it's actually not a very long movie at all. We see like this little kind of a stern relationship between father and son. Obviously, they care about each other, and we get the father having a sad moment in remembrance from the mother because the parents always got to be dead in a movie, mm-hmm. at least one. So there, there is these little personable moments, and it does seem like you know the movie is toying with examining this relationship between a father and the son and the losses they've had, and how is all this that they're going to face going to, you know, grow them as a father and a son? They yeah. can tell they love each other. But once the Santa comes in and things start ramping up, and they've got the Santa tied up. And they know it's correlated with what's going on in the mountain. They think they have a Santa. It, well, they it, think he's one of the men doing the blasting at first. Yeah. But the movie does not go that way. No. I do want to mention before you get into the action sequence. The scariest thing in this movie is that all the children have disappeared. Except Pietari. And I still didn't say it right. He finds in the hole where the Santa was... He finds a doll that looks like it's made out of, like, grass. 
Like a, yeah. It almost looks like a coconut head. But anyway, he finds this doll that later he goes to try to find his friend. And one of those dolls is in his friend's bed. And you realize that this Santa man that they found was going to put that in P's bed and steal him. Yeah, it's a folklore thing, replacing the kid. Yeah, with replacing a the kid with a doll. Birch and that thing was creepy. Or something. Yeah. That thing was creepy. So, yeah, there's some cool little folklore things in yeah. here. But then um, they talk about going to make an exchange for the Santa with the guy because they lost 85 grand mm-hmm. on this reindeer getting mauled. Yeah. And they know it has something to do with what they're doing. And they found a radio because the, the man had like a coat that he'd grabbed from like one of the dead people. So they make some contacts and they get a hold of this, you know, villain dude. And they're like, okay, for they make him an offer for, you know, about equivalent of what they lost. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a Santa for you. Like, mm-hmm. they figured out that it's Santa. And that's when the movie turns into kind of like full on action. Everyone's a little, specifically Patari. He's a studious boy. He's been studying. Yeah, he's a smart kid. He's a smart kid. And the movie has, does maintain that kids adventure movie feeling like, you know, that's what's feels like it's inspired a lot of this movie. But this kid becomes like a, like a four star general. Yeah. And the men are just listening to him with no, like he's not telling them his plan. They're just listening and he's like, I know what to do. Also, there's this very, what felt to me like, heavy-handed, where he's going to now be in charge and he drops his his stuffed animal. Yeah. Because the whole time he's been talking to the stuffed animal and carrying it around with him. And he's the youngest in this movie that we see. The mm. other boy that he hangs out with is a few years older, wears earrings and shit. Yeah, he, like, drops his stuffed animal and he's like, you stay here. This almost mm-hmm. feels like it's a parody of these kind of action movies at this point. Yeah. And, and if you and if you look at the trailer, I recommend at some point going back and just watching the trailer they made for it. That you played at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a fan-made trailer to a concept. Like they didn't have the money to make the movie. Sure. Like the way the shots line up and everything they do. And they it, made it to be like, let us make this movie. It almost, like we we know it's a feature film. Yeah. We've watched it. But it absolutely has that feeling. It also has almost too many ideas in it because there's also the advent calendar thing right so he's got this advent calendar that he's opening every day counting down to christmas it also goes like 24 days to christmas one day to christmas zero days it's a very style it's the very beginning it's a very stylistic like boom days counting down and it starts at 24 and and, it goes to one and you think we're going to be going like all throughout the month and then it goes one day to christmas and then zero And and it was completely yeah. You really, you trotted this stylized countdown for three days. And so it's it's Christmas Eve, right? And that's when they go to do the Santa exchange when all this happens. And they tell him to stay in the truck because he's the smallest, but he doesn't listen ever. He always goes where he's not supposed to go. So he gets out and he looks up at this big warehouse door and he goes, the final door. And he's like taped up the 24 on his advent calendar. Like that's going to keep it from coming. Sure. And he sees and it's this big, huge door that has this big, huge 24 on it. Is this a mystical, magical adventure now all of a sudden? I mean, I guess it's like Santa Claus and what we're about to talk about is magic-y. But- well, well, Tropy Villain Man comes along and he explains to them, that's not Santa. That's yeah. one of his helpers. And he's like, y'all got to be quiet and still and good. 
and yeah, and don't curse, right? And don't, you know, don't act bad. And then all these like naked old men with beards start surrounding them. Mm-hmm. And they all have weapons. And then they realize that the thing that is, that they all serve is essentially the Krampus in that warehouse. Yeah. So all and these little in- Santa men. And it's encased in ice. And, but you know, they got all these like little Santa dudes that will, Bite, chew through wood, and chase children. Everyone gets killed except our three main men, who are like the dad's best friend, and and then this other guy who's the father of his the kid's friend. And so it's three men and and the one boy, and they go in there and they have all these space heaters and ovens open, and ch- the children are all in bags like all around. So basically, they've put all these children in burlap bags and sat them at the feet of Santa Claus and they have all these ovens open trying to defrost him and the kid is the one who puts it all together and he's like look and he had told them before that it was Santa Claus which is how they went about the whole thing but he's like no this is Santa Claus and he's like y'all have to listen to me and they start just like kicking ovens over instead of just turning them off they're like kicking ovens and like they get the one kid out of his sack and then and then the kid's like no this is what has to be done (laughs) and he he starts ordering people around yeah he becomes like the little general and it is funny that the kids don't get to leave the sack they get in a big net that's hoisted by a helicopter and the kids like riding alongside of it like die hard i truly was like how in the fuck and what they're doing is they're luring all of the Santa Claus elves using the kids mm-hmm. and having them into the corral. Into the corral, which he doesn't even communicate is going into the corral until like they're near it. Like, yeah, he doesn't tell the guy, and the guy's like, "Oh, you're so smart!" Like, it's, yeah, it's just they're just doing like whatever he says, and then he tells them the plan. Meanwhile, the other two men, the dad and the other boy's friend, are sticking no joke. A thousand pieces of dynamite into this huge... I mean, this thing is like stories tall, this, yeah, yeah. this Santa Claus. And you see the big He's Krampus huge. horns, giant Krampus They're horns. They're huge. Like twice as big as... Like twice as tall as the men because they cut off his horns and put them in the back of their truck to take with them. But it's like they've had maybe, we'll say 20 minutes to do this. <laughs> and they show it. And no joke, there are a thousand pieces of dynamite drilled in and stuck into this thing. This is when we're getting their like CGI of Patari like swinging on the net. And all the, the men running through. And, and it doesn't it doesn't look good. No. And, but there are scenes where they did get a lot of actual old men all naked. You oh, s- yeah. You see a lot of old Santa dick in this movie. You do. It's a big plus. Those scenes where all those old men are kind of together, like, they mm-hmm. did get a lot of them. Like, it actually looks great, just the visual of all these naked old Santas yes, coming and- into this area. But then you see, like, like the PlayStation 2 graphics, and it's like, ooh, maybe you didn't need to get up that close to the... The CGI of the kid, you know. White Walker Horde, it is not. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they wanted. Uh, yeah, so then, you know, man's got them. Uh, the kids are above the corral. The Santa Clauses are coming. And and he's like, the gate's not open. And the kid is like, I'm going to take care of it. And the guy's like, you can't. What are you going to do? And he's like, tell my dad what I did. And jumps down and goes to open the gate because he's going to sacrifice himself to the Santa Clauses to save all of the other children. Yeah. And it's so dramatic. And I do love this kid. Like I said, I think he did a great job at what he was asked to do for sure. But it's just crazy. 
We also get the trope because the dad and his friends have set up all those explosives of the drive away while the thing is blowing up in the background. And he's like sitting holding these like two huge horns. Yeah, that scene is, that looks cool. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that one. That is kind of cool. But then that stops the Santa helpers. Because when Santa's dead. And then they freeze. They have no job. But they didn't die. They just like forgot. Then they calculate the meat of the Santas the same way they did the reindeer. And they're like, oh, we have millions of dollars here. And then it goes into... um, Not really the meat. Like, what can we sell a Santa for? They're slaves now. Yeah. These are Santa slaves. And then we cut into basically like a post-credit scene. Santa boot camp. And this is actually the meat of what the movie is and why it's called Rare Exports. Yeah. This movie overall feels like a prequel to another idea. Absolutely. About a company that exports Santa Clauses all around the world and trains them to be Santa Clauses. Yeah. Because we see them going down an assembly line of Santas and they're, and they're, they're holding guns, right? Like monitoring them. These are slave Santas. And, and they don't need to eat or sleep or drink. So once they're trained to be a Santa, they get their hat, they dress them up and they put them in a box and wait until it's, the next Christmas. And we literally have a Raiders of the Lost Ark cargo full of Santa Clauses at the yep. end scene. And, and their business is rare exports. I didn't mind that ending. Like, I feel like it was a good idea. But you could tell that that was the first idea. And then and then the whole movie is like, how do, how we, do we get, get to that idea? Yeah. There's some fresh takes on this movie. I think it still thrives the most on feeling unique for a holiday fair. Absolutely. And I've never seen a movie quite like it. But it is a little clumsy. Yes. In tone. It doesn't maintain any dramatic tones. It doesn't maintain real character. There's not really a journey here. No. And people just become something. Yeah. When And it doesn't actually wrap back around to the tone of the father and the son. like. Right. Of any personable moment there. Mm-hmm. It literally is two different movies. Yes. In one. Yeah. And it's just a little clumsy in that respect. As fun as it can be. It and, is... there, and there are good visuals too. Yes. Are we ready to rate it? Yeah, we can do that. So I agree with everything that you just said. And that lands me at a 275. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to give it. I'm I'm at where about you're at, but I'm going to add a 0.25 because of all the Santa dicks. I was debating. Oh well, I was I could do without the Santa dicks. I the, so. the herd of nude Santas, and I'm not being ironic or cheeky. It literally is funny. It is really funny, and also, you know, I love it when a movie's not afraid to do something like that. I like mean, these men would be naked, so just let them be naked. Don't try to hide all their peepees. In Europe, they just don't get all, like, bent up over that shit. Well, I appreciate that sensibility. So that brings this movie to a 5.75. And, yeah, just, like, flirting around the high mid-range. Yeah. I would say it's worth it if you've never seen this movie before. I think it's on Tubi. If you want something a little more offbeat. Yeah. That isn't too, um, agree. It's a, it's got a little bit of scary moments. It's a, it comes off a little violent slightly. It's more like a little creepy. And there are Santa dicks in it, but it's not like they're not walking around with boners trying to stick them in things. They're just flaccid old man dicks. And that's really, that's really not that big a deal, is it? Mm -mm. You go, mm mm. Mm mm. (laughs) The more the merrier. 
But a 5.75, high in C. Rare Exports joins the rank of Johnny Dangerously, Mank, Near Dark, Renfield, The Frighteners. Our Near Dark rating, very controversial to a lot of uh I know, but but listen, it was, you know. If we we talked about this movie right after the first time we saw it, it It would have been higher. It might have hit around like a six, a little over. Because it surprised us so So, much. So maybe Near Dark might be worth a revisit down the road. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) But anyway, uh, uh, thanks for watching. Check the links for, check the show notes below this video in the body of the podcast thing, however where you're consuming it. You'll see links of other places to find us. I'm trying to get my Twitch game going again, mm. but like my time management is bad enough, but I do have to figure out how to folk do multiple projects at once here. What did you think of rare exports? Um, I can see people this being a very cult hit for a lot of households. Oh, for sure. So like, subscribe, leave a comment, fun facts, anything like that. For the Black Christmas episode, you threw some fun facts at me I didn't know. The director, Bob Clark, directed a Christmas story. A Christmas story, yeah. That's kind of a huge, that's kind of a huge detail that I didn't know when we recorded recorded it. But how about that? Yeah, the Porky's A Christmas Story. I feel like it's weirder that he directed a Christmas story than it is he directed Porky's. No, for sure. But just like, those are, all three of these in their own like niche genre were like groundbreaking. Yeah, for sure. Porky's maybe for all the wrong reasons. For sure. But, but I mean, we all remember we Porky's. Do. And so yeah, thanks for thanks for hanging out with us. Uh we're testing some sign offs here and I know mm-hmm. you didn't come up with one. Did you come up with one? Um, I was just gonna A say fresh one? You want me to try one? Sure, go ahead. How you like me now? <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,